This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. On this episode, we have Omri Argaman, CMO of Zoomed. Omri, welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. Thank you very much. It's a great pleasure. Very happy to be with you and with our listeners today. Thanks a lot. All right. All right. So think about it. Uh, no matter how good a product or service is, if you can't connect it with people who would benefit from it, you as a brand are in trouble. Now, Mobile has been the most effective channel for reaching out new customers for a number of years. That's actually good old news, right? But still, with mobile, you can draw a picture of who are your customers, how regularly they use your product, what you should do to improve it, and much more. No way you can do it with any offline ads. But the karate market becomes the greater the challenge to reach out to new people and win their trust to become your loyal users. What are the digital marketing tools that may help brands to acquire mobile users and do it on scale and reliably over time? Today, we're going to tackle these questions with Omri. We will be talking about mobile app user acquisition. But first, Omri, please tell the listeners about yourself. Okay, so I'll do it quickly. I'm one of the co-founders of Zoomed. Zoomed is a company, uh, it's a merge actually of uh, Moblin. Moblin, we founded, I was one of the co-founders in 2007, even before the iPhone days. So Zoomed is actually a merge of Moblin and Zoom together. We merged the companies two years ago. We took the company public in Canada uh, four months ago. Um, And actually, I've been myself in the mobile industry for uh, more than 15 years. I came to the mobile industry from Microsoft. I worked at Microsoft, not not as a developer, as a marketing uh, manager uh, Mm -hmm. for years um, and actually been in industry since. I'm located in Israel, have two kids, very smiley guy, and that's a quick uh, bit about myself. <laughs> All right, great. So let's get to the questions we have. So when it comes to mobile app user acquisition, what kind of challenges do you see brands have? Since you've been working in Microsoft, one of the most recognizable brands on the planet, probably you should have a perspective from both sides, right? Yeah. First of all, when I, when I worked at Microsoft, I mean, even then, there wasn't anything called smartphones back then. But of course, throughout the years, as a service provider and as a mobile industry leader, working with a lot of brands, I think the market has changed in the last few years. First, of course, everyone's talking, if you're a brand, about brand safety and how to see that your brand is in the right places and not in wrong items and not near other bad items or, or other bad ads. So I think that brand safety as, as a category is something that is growing and has been here for the last year, two, three years, but, but is totally growing regarding needs of the brands. So that's one. Second, I would say fraud. Fraud, we'll talk about, I believe, a bit later on through the podcast, but fraud is really hurting the industry. And for brands, just to, even if they don't pay for that fraud that is happening, it's taking from them a lot of resources. So I think fraud is a very big challenge. I think finding good suppliers, um, when you're a brand or you're an advertiser, you need to find good suppliers where they're actually your trusted advisors. And I think today, with everything that's going on, it's hard sometimes to find the right supplier for you that understands 
uh, your state of mind, your location, your country, wherever you are, and still can know and be able to, to give you the service that you need if it's user acquisition or anything else. Another point is retention. I think retention is getting, I'm not saying, I won't say it's getting harder, but it's getting more sophisticated. Um, and everyone is starting to understand that user acquisition is, is of course, the first uh, step of the funnel, but retention comes right after that. Um, if you don't have a retention strategy, regardless to media, just in general, just to have a retention strategy, if you don't have that, so as a brand, it's going to be a lot more expensive to generate money because you'll have to generate those users over and over and over again um, without making more revenues from existing users. So if I summarize it, I would say that, again, brand safety, fraud, uh, good suppliers, retention as a point. And the last point is, is reach, to get the maximum reach. As an advertiser, you want to get as much, most advertisers or most brands would want to get as much customers as possible. A lot of times they're not maximizing the amount of new users or new customers they can achieve or get because they're not able to reach them on their advertising activities. There could be a lot of reasons that are causing that, but I would say getting a good reach for your marketing budget, that's also something that we see as uh, changing in the user acquisition activity for advertisers. Can you think of any industry from which brands have uh, kind of a they're better set for mobile user acquisition, like they're doing better, I don't know, retail, e-commerce. I, I can tell you again from our side as a company, first, we're, we're a really big data company. I mean, in every given moment on our platform, there are more than 3,000 campaigns running. We generate more than half a billion data points a day. The data point that is everything that is measured by an advertiser. So what I'm going to tell you is coming from our business, from our data, from our activity. In the last few years, we're seeing a huge boom in the e-commerce industry, if it's standard retail, uh, offline stores, uh, or chains that are starting to enter or entered already mobile and digital, um, or if it's pure digital, pure digital activities that came out from mobile. So in general, e-commerce is really booming. We see in our activity, Latin America booming in e-commerce, uh, APAC booming in e-commerce, but actually all the world is. So that's one. Second is, uh, is fintech, financial tech uh, technologies, apps. If it's money transfers, if it's payments, if it's uh, uh, money management or investment management, and that's actually divided to two type of, of audiences. If it's the Western world, so it's like a, an extension of your bank account or your, your, your investment activity. And if it's less, if it's not the Western world, so a lot of times we can see, let's say in Latin America, the people, the unbanked, there are it's a very big percentage in, let's say, Brazil. So mm -hmm. it's a country where we act in and we operate in. So over 50% of the people are unbanked. But if you see financial apps, so, so a lot of them, even more of them are using them. It's the first time they're actually managing or being able to transfer money that isn't cash. That's like a real need that, that is being solved. So, so if I summarize it, I would say e-commerce, I would say food and delivery, and I would say financial fintech. Those are the ones that are booming. Of course, all the gaming and the travel, if, if I put aside the coronavirus, um, <laughs> so all the travel and, and gaming and gambling, these are also very big activities for us, but, but they're not booming. I mean, they're, they're big. They're the biggest even, but, but they're, they're steady. Um, so I would say those are the three categories that are really growing drastically and massively on our side. Right. I saw a couple of apps uh, popping up on the App Store dedicated to coronavirus stats tracking. And from a business perspective, I do see 
probably it's going to be a trend of more demand for the app store for uh, remote uh, working, kind of, uh, you know, doing transaction without physical content uh, contact, but it's kind of a, you know, anecdotal story that's, <laughs> that's not hard data for sure. <laughs> what about major KPIs do you suggest brands to be focused on? Because there are a number of them. And of course, KPI stands for Key Performance Indicator. Or there, there isn't just one answer that fits them all. What do you think? So again, also, you know, I'll give you from our uh, activity, because again, we let the advertisers uh, run uh, with their KPIs. It's a performance platform. So of course, those are standard KPIs that you know, all the advertising world knows in general if it's the CPM, if it's the CPC, but that's less relevant for, our, for, for performance advertising. Um, the first, I'll start from top of the funnel. So of course it's cost per install, even mm-hmm. though today that is less relevant, I must say, uh, because an install can cost me a penny, but at the end of the day, if my conversion rate isn't good, so acquiring a user will be very expensive. So, but the first one is a cost per install. And then all the other ones, if it's ROAS, that's return of ad spend. We're actually, in, in simple words, the, the advertiser knows how much he spent in money. And then he can calculate for advertising. And then he can calculate how much money did that uh, ad budget bring him regarding revenues. So, so we're seeing a very big uh, transfer of advertising to testing return of ad spend the last two years. Of course, general ROI, and we see it in, in e-commerce companies. Let's say we have an e-commerce uh, customer that we've been running for a week. And every week, uh, just for an example, so every week, mm-hmm. let's say we get him, every day we get him 100 new users. So in general, after seven days, he's got 700 new users. The point is that a new user will probably buy the moment he registered because he wants to buy something. So let's say on, this, on the first day, we'll have 10 users buy from the 100. On the second day from the next 100, let's say another eight will buy, but let's say every day 10 will buy. The point is that after seven days, some of them are going to start coming back for the second purchase and the third purchase. And that's where calculation really changes. And that's where the ROI is really relevant. So e-commerce companies, we see that, that they give us a KPI of ROI if it's an ROI on ad spend or if it's an ROI of, of acquiring a user. So also that in apps where you need to deposit uh, money, if it's uh, sometimes uh, mobility apps, like for scooters, mobility scooters like Lime, or if it's uh, gambling, real money gambling apps. So they'll always check the first time deposit cost. There's the download, there's the registration, but right after that in the funnel will come an FTD uh, measurement. FTD is full first time deposit. And actually what they will do is they will measure, okay, so the install cost me X, the registration cost me Y, and the customer just uh, uh, deposited 50 pounds. So then they will be able to calculate all the other costs. So also FTD. And another point is, and, and it's happening a lot, is ranking. Apps today in the App Store and the Google Play, a ranking is very important. A lot of times, if you generate a mass amount of downloads, so there could be a KPI of, hey, I want to be listed number 10 of the category. I want to be listed number five. And that is a lot of time a KPI. Another one I'll say is a lot of times advertisers want to know that the customer finished the tutorial. I mean, mm-hmm. he downloaded the app and then he wants to know how to use the app. So the advertiser will measure who and how many people really finished that tutorial explaining how to use the app. And again, I know I gave a wide answer here. But it's not the same KPIs for every type of advertiser. 
Um, the re- depends on what type of app it is, what kind, what's the advertiser checking to do or checking to, to, to measure. But in general, again, it's the return on the media budget. It's the ROI on the users. It's the cost of the first time deposit. If there is a deposit, it's the ranking of the app. It's the cost of the install. I would say all these together are a set of KPIs. Uh, uh, we work today with uh, advertisers and we see that are growing and growing regarding needs and objectives by advertisers. I know uh, that CPI in particular has been fluctuating over the time. Do you know where the, like just a ballpark or where CPI is now uh, cost per install? Just an average for iOS and Android. Well, look, there isn't one price. It depends on the region, depends on the type of app. I can tell that in gaming apps, the CPI is low. Yeah, let's do um, gaming. Okay, so, so if we're talking about gaming apps, again, depends on regions. Uh, talking about, let's say, uh, Europe, Western Europe. So the CPI, uh, a high quality, I'll say, okay. Um, regardless to, to, to the registration or, or, or purchasing, CPI can cost iOS between $0.80 cents to $2 for a good one. If I take Latin America or SIA countries in Asia, it could be $0.50 cents or $0.60 cents in, iPhone, mm-hmm. in iOS, even let's say more or less that. If I take Android, so of course the cost in Android are always going to be lower because the audience is a bit different. The conversions rate are different. So I would say um, it could be between, in Western Europe, it could be between... Uh, a half a dollar and a dollar and a half, more or less in Sierra regions or in Latin America, it could be even 30 cents to 50 cents uh, or 60 cents for an install. But at the end of the day, every advertiser, after he gives you that KPI or that price for an install, he will check pretty fast. And also we do it to show him what's the conversion rate because that's what's important because it's better sometimes to pay a higher CPI and getting better quality and higher conversion rates than paying very low CPI with low conversion rates. So my point is that a CPI is nice, it's important, but it always has to come with more KPIs on it. CPI standalone, it, it doesn't mean a lot for the advertisers, neither to us, because we cannot really show what we know to give and achieve to him. Excellent point. Speaking of money, uh, what are your thoughts on the current state of mobile fraud? What are some of the effective techniques to mitigate its effect on mobile e-commerce? So first, it's really hurting the industry. I'll say it again. I think fraud, again, even if I'm putting aside for you as an advertiser, if you pay on the fraud or not, it's taking so much resources from the advertiser. He needs to analyze. He needs to check the reports. He needs to check his CRM systems and his financial systems to see if the money's really coming in if it's not fraud. He needs to go over every report per channel. So it's taking a lot from the advertiser. It's taking a lot from companies like us when we have a platform and you know, at the end of the day or the end of the month, uh, we need to deduct a lot of uh, installs or records from the report because it's fraud. It takes a lot from us. Also cost-wise on, on technology for it and also human resource-wise. So it is taking a lot and really hurting the industry for a long time already. But if I'm talking about effective techniques, so first, most of our customers today work with a third-party fraud detection system. They work with an MMP, a measurement platform like AppsFlyer that is the world's leader or Adjust or Kuchava or Branch. Uh, these are all the measurement partners. And most of them have their own anti-fraud solution. If I take uh, AppsFlyer or I take Adjust, so they have their an- third-party anti-fraud solution. It's a different product. I mean, they take from it, they bill it as a different billing. But we are seeing, I would say, most of our customers today are working with a third-party anti-fraud solution. So that's one. Two, it will sound a bit old-fashioned, 
I must say that what we do, we have an anti-fraud solution as part of our platform, but we go over manually on all the reports. Now, the moment manually you go over the reports and high level, of course, you can detect a lot of things sometimes that, that, that don't look logic, don't look, don't look uh, that they can be. So what we do is after we go scan with our technology for anti-fraud, we still go over the reports in a manual view. So that's the second activity. That's the second uh, technique we use. And the third one is a lot of times we build with the customers dedicated KPIs that the purpose of the KPI is to detect fraud. Because we know, let's let's take a gambling company. If we know today that the conversion from install to registration is X, and we know that after the registration, the conversion, the first time deposit is Y, we can put those rules as a KPI. Now, if we lower them a bit, we can identify where fraud is coming in. And I'll explain. Let's say we buy 10 installs for a very cheap price. And let's say that fraud supplier, okay, uh, knows mm-hmm. needs to do 10% uh, conversion rate. So he'll go and he can deposit manually 10 pounds on each 10 installs in order for the system to see that this is not fraud. The point is that after he does that first ins- deposit, he won't do a second one. And we have a benchmark of, of how many times people come back for the second deposit. So building KPIs at their purpose is only to identify fraud. That's also something we do and that is very recommended. And last but not least is incremental measurement. Um, at the end of the day, if you have a channel that you think or you detect or you, you assume it could be a fraud channel, just do incremental checking. Incremental checking actually means that you isolate a channel and you see how much in total does it affect or doesn't affect your daily downloads, daily registrations, or daily deposits, whatever you want to measure. But if you isolate a channel and you go by that channel by channel and you measure an incremental usage, that's also a technique uh, uh, we do for our customers. And I'll say the last thing, fraud will always come in. I'm sorry to say that. Everyone's suffering for it. The moment the advertiser knows it and accepts it and knows that he will not pay for fraud, so it's a lot easier to take care of fraud. And that's the point. I mean, you have to find a, a source or a supplier or a company or a platform that knows on one hand to identify the fraud and on the second hand will see to it that you as an advertiser won't pay for fraud. I mean, that's how we do it again. That's, that's our way. All right. So you said that's a kind of a, a bit of an old school, but I wouldn't say that. It's very reasonable, very sound approach because... AI algorithm is not capable, is not up to test to replace a human brain. You have to take a personal approach and check the data yourself. At least at this point, I don't think AI technology is there to replace us to make this crucial judgment on the mobile fraud. So, yeah, and it's not going going anywhere for sure. It's an arms race. It's like a bullet or and uh, armor. It's it's going to be with us for the foreseeable future. Now, what is your personal take on what will be happening in the mobile ecosystem this year? Uh, any predictions? So again, fraud is going to be an issue. People take care of it. That's one. I think and we're feeling it that privacy is going to keep on being a big issue. And I must say, I really love it. I think that um, because I, we're, I come from the industry, so I know all the privacy problems and I know what's going on. And I must say, my, my phone is locked from, every, from everywhere. I mean, not giving apps access to anything. And I think that with the CCPA in California and, and new, new states that are going to go live in the U.S. with their own privacy rules and other countries, I think that 2020 is going to be keep on being a privacy year. 
And I think it's gonna, that's going to stay with us for a few years um, looking forward. So, so privacy as a point. I think that 2020 is going to, it's not going to be big yet, but voice is going to keep on growing. Voice activation, voice, uh, if it's smart uh, helpers, or if it's like series style apps, so voice activation of activities or apps or whatever is going to keep on growing. And I think we're not going to see the boom yet, but, but it is going to grow and going to keep on growing as a trend. Um, I think, and we're feeling it also, social channels are a bit changing. Uh, even mm-hmm. TikTok okay, versus uh, Facebook. I mean, we're Facebook partners and we t- we're TikTok partners, so I don't want to say anything bad about Facebook. Um, but yeah, you can see how uh, different audiences are starting to onboard. If it's, again, if it's TikTok, you can see people are starting to move to platforms like Reddit to read. Or a lot of women we see are a lot more in Pinterest. So social channels are, are adapting and social channels are, are changing. Again, Facebook is the biggest and they'll keep on being that, but it is a bit changing. So that's another point. And the last point is, is and we talk, I, t- I mentioned it before, but fintech, uh, again, if it's in Western worlds or if it's in uh, Western co- uh, countries or if it's in uh, third uh, world countries, fintech is relevant for everyone. Um, I can see myself as a user. Again, and I'm in the Western uh, country. Um, but if we take countries or places like Africa or India or Latin America, so fintech is booming also there from different needs, but it is booming. So I would say that these are points that, that are going, uh, that I see are, are, are happening this year. And another point is influencers. Uh, influencers, there were a lot of uh, conversations and a lot of buzz about influencers. And there still is. And I think, but... As, as, as what's happening, a lot of, of channels, I mean, it's going down. I mean, it's not going down, but people are starting to clean it up. I mean, understanding mm-hmm. that influencers is, was a great hype. And again, it's a great marketing channel. But people are starting to understand advertising, a lot of fraud also there. And, and in general, measurement. Again, if I take everything I said together, so I would say measurement is going to be a big issue. Uh, people, are get, advertisers are getting smarter. Um, they know they need to measure more. They need they need to connect everything at the end of the day to the bottom line, the business. And I would say measurement as a, as a topic also is going to be big and keep on growing. All right. Gotcha. Now I have a few very quick questions for you. So um, iOS or Android? On which side are you? Uh, iOS. <laughs> Gosh, I've, I've been asking this question to all guests. And uh, so far, <laughs> iOS is beating Android, hands down. Yeah, yeah big time uh, for me. <laughs> yeah can you remember what was your first mobile phone wow it was it was it's called alpha manufactured by motorola and uh-huh. it was i'll even tell you when it was in 90 blah, four maybe or 93 yeah something Last like that century yeah <laughs> unbelievable yeah <laughs> i'm old well what is your favorite app and why I would say what's up, but, but not because I love it the most. It's just because I'm in it the most and use it the most. And it's actually the center of my life became, uh, become already the center of my life. So, so I have to say uh, uh, what's up. If it's what do I love the most, so it's apps that help me solve my day by day. If it's we have a local payment app called Bit for payments. And if it's apps like Get or Uber for transportation, I really love them because they're so efficient. So I would say... What's up? That's first, again, because that's my main day. That's what I do all day. Uh, and payment apps like Bit or transportation apps like Uber or Get. All right. What do you think is the most overrated app, if you can think of, like, 
an app that so many hype about it and you go like, gosh, it just doesn't deserve it? I would say that first, I'm an iOS uh, user and I'm saying that because I think that Clean Master, yeah, I, I don't have anything against the company, of course, but Clean Master that's been ruling the Android devices for the last few years um, and all that category of apps that identify your battery and, and optimize the usage, I, I, I must say I've never seen any of them work <laughs> in the right way, in a proper way. Um, so I think all these apps that are like showing you the status of your device and doing it better, I think they have one purpose and that's a lot of times taking data from the device. So, so I would say as a category, all these apps are, are, again, I don't have anything against the companies, but I think they're overrated and they don't really do a lot or they don't do what they're supposed to do. That's what I would say. All right. And now let's, uh, let's go to the bright side. What new app technologies are you most excited about? I, I must say, uh, and I said before, voice, I think, again, looking forward, it's not something that's going to be changed tomorrow. But at the end of the day, I think voice is going to really change the mobile industry. I think a lot of times it's going to make us as users understand that we don't need even the phone with us 24-7 because we'll, we'll just be able to say what we want or ask uh, what we have because everywhere there will be uh, a voice detecting uh, uh, chips or devices. So, so voice in general is something I'm really excited about looking forward. Another category is, and, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm anti-privacy, I mean, I understand the issues of privacy, but what I'm going to say is face recognition, but on uh, health, and I'll explain. There's a company uh, we know great. It's called Bina, uh, Bina.ai. What they have, they just won the CS in, in Vegas. What they have, they have technology where you open their app, you point the app to your face, and it immediately tells you if you're sick, if you have a fever, if you have a runny nose. If you're sick, what should you do? Maybe eat different. All these apps where they, they actually scan your face and they can give you an output or data that really helps me, not only entering my phone instead of a password, that, that's easy. I'm talking about voice uh, face recognition to give me real value. If I'm Think of Corona, okay? Mm -hmm. if there could be an app. I just open it. I put it pointed to my face and it tells me if I'm sick with Corona or not. It's not there yet, but I believe it will be soon. Um, and also all the telemedicine. I mean, when you look at that category, it's starting to grow where, where I don't need to go to the doctor. I just take my app, point it to my face, and then all the parameters of, of body temperature and heartbeat and everything is just passed to the doctor. He can tell me what to do. So, so also that. And that's it. I would say voice and face recognition. Also cloud computing and cloud gaming, but that's not something new. So I would say voice and face recognition, looking, looking up front and, and to the future. These are the main two. All right. So before I let you go, uh, how can people get in touch with you and get more information about what you do? First, they can uh, find me. My name is Omri Argaman, O-M-R-I Argaman. They can send me an email to Omri, O-M-R-I at Zoomed, Z-O-O-M-D.com. They can see me in conventions. I didn't even say what Zoom does, whoever doesn't know, but I'll, I'll do it in 10 seconds. Zoom is actually a platform that is integrated to 90% of global media. We, we're integrated to more than 600 media channels, if it's ad networks, DSPs, and exchanges. And actually, our belief is that uh, we need one dashboard to manage all user acquisition activity. It's a platform that was built from our pain as app marketers. And today, the platform, that's what it does. It's just one dashboard, one screen that is integrated to more than 600 channels. And it gives you the ability to really focus on bringing users and not managing systems. 
if whoever's going to be coming to App Promotion London, we're going to be there. I would say in more, most uh, big events. That's it. Awesome. Great. Uh, thanks a lot for your time and coming on our podcast, Omri. Thank you very much. Uh, it was great talking. Great. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Bye-bye. And thank you. that was Omri Argaman, CMO of Zoom. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. Once you subscribe, you will be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please, don't forget to leave us a review and comment. It is highly appreciated. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.